0: Today's story that we know is from the book of Acts, chapter 16, and in the story that we know, we learn about the Apostle Paul and Silas, and Paul and Silas end up in jail. And the reason that they end up in jail is because of an annoying slave girl. Speaking of annoying girls, let's bring Emma back in here. Emma, come back in. Thank you very much for your role in our drama today. She did a wonderful job. You may have been annoyed by Emma this morning as she came running up to you to say, "You got to listen to Sean's sermon today. He's going to tell you something very important. He's going to tell you how to be saved." How many of you had that happen to you today? There are a few of you and uh, interruptions on the stage. Thank you, Emma. Very good job. We're talking about uh, stories that we know. We've been talking about stories we know on Sunday mornings. Stories from the Book of Acts as we talk about uh, famous stories from the beginning of the church, from the early church. And today's story is no different. It's a fascinating story that takes place in the city of Philippi. The city of Philippi was a leading city in Macedonia. It wasn't the capital of Macedonia, but it was a leading city in Macedonia. It uh, wasn't a big Jewish population there, mostly Gentiles and Greeks. It was a Roman colony. Uh, the citizens there were Roman, considered Roman citizens, which was very, very important. So Paul, the Apostle Paul, his traveling companions, the young preacher Timothy, Silas and Luke the guy who wrote Acts were all traveling to Philippi and they get to Philippi and they go down to the river to pray in those days if a city did not have a synagogue in it they would gather at the river in order to pray so that they could ceremonially wash their hands in the flowing water of the river so that's why they gathered at the river in order to pray and worship God and you have Paul, Silas, Timothy and Luke and perhaps some others, all go down to the river in order to pray with them. And they're also uh, looking for an opportunity. Uh, The river was the Ganges River, G-A-N-G-I-T-E-S. It was a part of another river, but this is where it was near Philippi, about a mile and a quarter from Philippi. So they gather on the Sabbath at the Ganges River in order to pray, and they meet Lydia. Lydia was a purveyor of fine purple cloth. She was probably a very wealthy woman because purple cloth, uh, the dye used in purple cloth was very expensive, and when you, and uh, the purple cloth itself was very expensive to purchase, and that's what she did. She sold purple cloth. She was from the city of Thyatira. Now, you may have heard of Thyatira because it's one of the cities in the book of Revelation to where the letter is sent. The letter of Revelation is sent to the church at Thyatira. Thyatira was known for its textile guilds people uh, like kind of like a a first century union of textile workers and so they had all these kinds of guilds in Thyatira one of them was a textile guild most likely Lydia was a part of the textile guild there in Thyatira so they encounter Lydia they go down to the river uh, in order to pray and worship God they encounter Lydia they begin talking the Bible says that God opened her heart to their message and sure enough she accepted their message She uh, came to faith in Christ and she was and her household were baptized Acts chapter 16 is where we're at If You want to follow along because this is the next part of the story that's very very important Because this is going to tell us how Paul ended up in jail When they get to Philippi in the following days Lydia had invited Paul, Silas, Timothy and Luke and their traveling companions to stay at her house Uh, It was very very uh, hospitable of her very, very common in those days to invite people into your home to stay with you, and sure enough, they're staying with her, and they're out in Philippi one day, and Paul's out doing his thing, telling people about Jesus, and a young girl who was possessed by the demon of a pythoness, a female python, female python. She was in 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 uh, and the word just escaped me. She was possessed by this demon of a python very, very evil demon, and it enabled her to tell the future. And so she's going around behind Paul, telling everybody, it says right there, just kind of the same thing that Emma told everyone this morning. they are in uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 17. These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days, and finally become, Paul became so troubled that he cast this demon out of her in the name of Jesus. Now, the, the problem with this is, I mean, the girl set free from this demon, which is wonderful, but the people, her her slave owners, uh, used her to tell the future in order to make money. Like a fortune teller, almost. Uh, they would make money off of her, and now, all of a sudden, their cash cow was gone. They have no way of making money off of her anymore, so they're very upset. And we get uh, verse uh, 19. When the owners of the slave girl realized their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So they're thrown in jail after being severely beaten and severely flogged, which if you've seen the movie The Passion of the Christ, you kind of had an, uh, you have an idea of what a flogging looks like. They were beaten within an inch of their lives with uh, sticks and chains and whips and just... Uh, and then they throw them in the, in the jail, in the inner cell. They put them in stocks, which was a torture device, uh, as well as a, a, a way of, of keeping them in place. And so these guys are not going anywhere. The amazing thing that happens is that they're sitting there bleeding, bruised, beaten up, in chains, in stocks. And they start around midnight, they're praising God and praying. They're worshiping God and praying in the middle of the night after being beaten, flogged, and incarcerated. All of a sudden, an earthquake happens. There's an earthquake that throws open the doors of the jail and loosens all of their chains. Not just Paul and Silas, but everybody in the jail. The jailer was responsible for his prisoners. If they escape, he will be executed. Fearing execution, he draws his sword and is thinking about suicide. He's going to kill himself. Paul and Silas cry out. This is what they say. Uh, Verse 28. Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights or torches, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then he immediately, immediately, he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. All of us, so you've got Paul and Silas at the jailer's house. They've been baptized, they're sharing a meal, everybody's happy and excited. Next day, it turns out, uh, the magistrates discover that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. They had been unfairly and unjustly beaten, flogged, and incarcerated. It wasn't supposed to happen uh, to Roman citizens. They were not allowed to do that because they were full citizens of Rome. They send to the jail to have them released because now they're scared that they're going to get in trouble starting in verse 37 Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial even though we are Roman citizens and threw us into prison and now they want to get rid of us quietly no let them come themselves and escort us out the officers reported this to the magistrates and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens they were alarmed they came to appease them and escorted them from the prison requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and encouraged them. Then they left. Our story today, this story is about unexpected opportunities. Now, I put the word expected, I put the first syllable un in parentheses, because there are unexpected opportunities that arise from this story, but there are also some expected ones as well. And I want to talk about them for just a moment, these three unexpected opportunities. The first unexpected opportunity... If on your outline there, in your bulletin, if you open up your bulletin, on page three right there is an outline uh, for a sermon outline, you first blank on there, the first blank on there is an une- is unexpected opportunities to witness. They went down to the river at Philippi. Now, this was not necessarily an unexpected opportunity. They went looking. To witness, they went down to the river in Philippi. They went there looking for an opportunity to talk to somebody about Jesus. And they knew that they could because they had common ground with the people who were there. They were believers in God. It wasn't like the, the Greeks or the Romans who believed in many gods. It was the one God, the one true God that they believed in. They believed in Yahweh. They shared that common ground. And so therefore, they knew that they had a place to start with, that they could talk with these women who uh, believed in G- believed in God, not believe in Jesus yet, but they believed in God. They had common ground that they could witness to them and explain the gospel, explain who Jesus is. The same thing goes for us. When it comes to witnessing to people, One of the first things we should attempt to do When uh, looking for opportunities to witness Is find common ground with people Find common ground that we stand on That we share Uh, You can turn uh, many conversations To spiritual things By finding common ground with people If I were to go to A Green Bay Packers game To watch my 12 time NFL champion Green Bay Packers Defeat another team Such as the lowly Chicago Bears. (laughs) Who lost to the Raiders last night? How embarrassing is that? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, Right, Clark? Amen. Um, But see... I would have an opportunity to talk to somebody, I'd start talking to somebody, hey, about them Packers, you know, that's common ground that we share. And I could turn a conversation about, uh, to spiritual things, maybe talking about a player on the team who has faith in Jesus. Hey, did you hear about this guy? Yeah, he's a Christian. And, uh, and I could turn the conversation to a spiritual subject by finding that common ground. Okay, does that make sense? We find common ground with people in order to witness to them. And that's one of the keys that we have to be intentional about when it comes to spreading the gospel. Our, the purpose of our church is to love God, love others, and spread the gospel. And I think we tend to focus maybe a little bit too much, not too much, can't focus too much on loving God, but uh, our attention gets uh, put especially on loving God and loving others, and we kind of mumble through the spread the gospel part. Because spreading the gospel can be scary. Spreading the gospel can be hard. We think we've got to memorize this long list of Bible verses. And if you want to do that, Great, but if you feel like I can't do this, I don't know how to witness to people. Find some common ground with somebody. Be a friend to somebody. Just talk to somebody. Normal. Hey, how you doing? What did you do this weekend? I went to church. You know? Or what did you do this weekend? Well, my kid had a soccer game, and uh, we went to the uh, to the Western Days. We had a good time. Yeah. What did you do this weekend? I went to church. Really? you went to church now hopefully they're saying really you went to church not because you're such a horrible person but they're saying really you went to church like really where did you go where is this church that you went to okay you find common ground you ask simple questions and you get to the point of telling somebody hey i went to church you're you're a christian yeah i'm a christian what do you believe and you got to know what is it what is it that you believe and why do you believe it We've got to put ourselves in positions and take advantage of opportunities to share the gospel. Now, there was an unexpected opportunity as well is when Paul and Silas were in jail. They did not expect, I, I can almost guarantee you, they did not expect to be telling somebody about Jesus after being flogged, beaten, and incarcerated. But sure enough, they're in the middle of the night as they're praising God and, and praying Uh, The earthquake happens, they have the opportunity to witness to the Philippian jailer. This guy was at the end of his rope. He was going to do himself in, and yet God takes a horrible situation, something terrible happening in his life, and he turns it around. When unexpected opportunities arrive to share our faith, when unexpected opportunities come up, we've got to know what it is that we believe, and we've got to know why we believe it. 1 Peter 3.15, okay? Let me read that for you. 1 Peter 3:15 and 16, if I can get my bookmark to work right. But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is so important that we be able to give a reason for the hope that we have. Why do you believe what you believe? Not just what do you believe, but why do you believe it? What is the reason? Why are you here today? Why do you get up on a Sunday morning? You could be out golfing. You could be mowing your lawn. You could be sleeping in. You could be drinking a cup of coffee out on your patio, reading the paper. And some of you are thinking, why am I here today? (laughs) It's a beautiful day out there. Are you here because you love God? Are you here because Jesus saved you? Are you here because you were invited by someone, or you visit our website, or you were driving by? Why are you here today? What do, what do you believe, and why do you believe it? Have you thought about your faith to the point where you can say, yeah, this is what I believe, and this is why I believe it? Because some, at some point, if you will pray for an opportunity to talk to somebody about Jesus, that opportunity will come up. And someone will say, why are you so different why do you act differently? Why, why do you have a smile on your face? Don't you know we're in the midst of a recession? Don't you know that the world is falling apart? There are natural disasters all over the place. The gulf is a mess. All these things. Why are you so happy? Why do you have this joy about you? Well, let me tell you why I have this joy. Let me tell you why I have it. It's because Jesus died for my sins. And no matter what this world throws at me, no matter what happens here on earth, I'm going to heaven. I have a hope in my heart. I have joy in my life. Not because life is so rosy and great all the time, but it's because Jesus loves me. This I know. So what is your testimony? Why do you believe what you believed? Are you prepared, like it says in 1 Peter 3, are you prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have? Wonderful. Secondly, opportunities to worship unexpected opportunities to worship there's two of them the first is the most mind-blowing it's paul and silas in jail praising god in the middle of the night wounded beaten incarcerated hopeless and yet what do they do they praise god even in the midst of terrible circumstances why because of what i just talked about they had that joy from knowing jesus they had real joy from knowing Christ. Joy is not dependent upon circumstances or situations. Okay, Let me make that clear. Joy is not based on situations. Joy is based on salvation. If you are saved by the blood of Christ, if you know that you are going to heaven, I've said it before, we should be the most blissfully joy people on the planet. Absolutely. I mean, it should be so infectious and so contagious that people should be just annoyed by us. What is wrong with you? Not that we walk around with stupid grins on our faces all the time and not because life is going great all the time and everything is working out and and it's sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. But it's because Jesus died for us and that knowledge, that love of God is so overarching in our lives that nothing, that everything pales in comparison. I think about an opportunity to worship that one of the Old Testament guys had, and that was Job. You think about Job, totally blessed. God had blessed his socks off. Kids and riches and animals and all kinds of great stuff. And the devil... The evil one goes to God and says, the only reason he honors you, the only reason he praises you, the only reason he acknowledges you is because you've given him all this stuff. You take him all that stuff, he'll curse you. God says, all right, I'll take that bet. And sure enough, the only thing the devil couldn't do was kill him. Took away his kids, took away his animals, uh, left him destitute and just heartbroken and, and life fallen apart in job chapter 1 verses 20 21 this is what job said he says the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away may the name of the Lord be praised could you praise God after going through what job went through see job knew that his joy was not dependent on his circumstances or his situation. Joy was dependent on God and his salvation. That's where the joy comes from. Joy and happiness are not the same thing. Joy and happiness are not the same thing. Happiness depends on circumstances and situations. I can be unhappy and yet still have joy in Jesus. I can be going through difficult times and hard circumstances and, and, and life can be beating me up left and right, and yet I can still have joy because I know Christ. And that's what it is dependent upon. The other opportunity to worship that comes along in this passage is when the Philippian jailer and his household are baptized. It says they were rejoicing. They were rejoicing. They had that wonderful opportunity to worship And that's exactly what they did, is they celebrated new life in Christ. And when someone comes and gets baptized on a Sunday morning or any other time, maybe a Sunday afternoon, maybe a Tuesday night, like I was baptized on a Tuesday night, When somebody comes to faith in christ and they give their lives to jesus and they get baptized That should be the moment uh, just an incredible moment of celebration that we should celebrate that And I don't know that we celebrate it enough that we really really party hardy enough when it comes to people getting baptized and and getting saved Because there's nothing greater There's absolutely nothing greater when someone gives their life to jesus and they have that that initial burst of joy of of Wow, that's awesome. I mean, the goosebumps and the hair standing back up on the back of your neck. There is there is no greater joy in ministry than baptizing somebody. Let me tell you that right now. There is no greater joy than, than watching somebody's sins be washed away, calling on the name of the Lord. It's fantastic. If you ever have the opportunity to baptize someone, I highly recommend it. It's awesome. It's amazing. It is absolutely to be, to, it is so humbling to be a part of that, to know that God somehow used you in someone's life to get them from, Going to hell to going to heaven. It's amazing. It's awesome. And it is, it's just, it should be celebrated. It should be, we should be praising God. And the Bible tells us that the angels rejoice when even one comes home. They, you know, they celebrate. They're, you know, got those little firecracker champagne popper things that, you know, and the streamers pop out. I imagine, I imagine that's what it looks like in heaven. They've all got these little things. They're like, okay, ready? Three, two, one, dunk. You know, psh. And the fireworks going off, you know, and angels are high-fiving each other. Yeah, that's right, man. Take that devil. Woohoo! You know, and that's the way it should be. We should be so excited and so, you know, celebrating. And and we don't celebrate it enough. So I, I just want to encourage you, next time someone gets baptized here, I want you to just, like, totally celebrate that person and, and just go nuts for them, okay? Uh, the last thing was unexpected opportunities to baptize. Uh, again, not necessarily in Lydia's case was it unexpected, it was more expected. They went down to the to the river in order to witness, and they, I'm sure they fully expected God to do something amazing. That they, you know, hey, we're here at the river, let's do it right now. But the unexpected opportunity was when Uh, The Philippian jailer was baptized again. They weren't even expecting that they weren't even prepared for it and sure enough it happened And you know throughout the book of acts we see baptism just everywhere people getting baptized 3,000 on the day of Pentecost Cornelius in his household the Ethiopian eunuch Lydia the jailer and there's more to come Uh, The Apostle Paul we see it over and over and over again as people get baptized throughout the book of of acts and I just want to encourage you uh, again if you have not checked out that paper that I wrote on baptism it's on the welcome center there's 20 more copies out there today so if you didn't get one last week or if you grabbed two last week um then I want you to make sure that you grab a copy of that if you're interested in learning more about what we believe about baptism in the Christian church. But this is why we offer an invitation every week. We offer an invitation every week and it may get repetitive and it may get it may get a little frustrating because you may, you know, we'll go 10, 15 weeks and there's like nobody coming forward. It's like, why do we do this every week? Why do we have to have an invitation song? Why do we, You know why? Because at some point in the sermon or in the song service or in the prayer time or in the community meditation or in the offering meditation, somebody may say, you you know what? Holy Spirit's working on me, and I got to do something. I I got to get baptized, and we want to make sure that we don't we don't miss that opportunity. We want to make sure that we don't miss that opportunity. So we offer an invitation every week, and we're going to do that in just a moment. We're going to invite people to come forward and put their faith in Christ and uh, and be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Emma said, "I was going to tell people how to be saved. Boom! Right there. That's how you do it." Put your faith in Christ, you repent from sin, you confess your faith, you get baptized, you go on to live a life of faithfulness. That's what it's all about. And so we want to invite you here in just a second, once we start singing, if you have made a decision that you need to be baptized, if you have put your faith and trust in Christ and you want to be baptized, we invite you to do that today. I got one more story I want to tell you real quick about unexpected opportunities and the importance of seizing upon opportunities. This guy is Kubla Khan. In 1269, Kublai Khan sent a messenger to Rome and said, a hundred wise men of the Christian religion. He requested, a hundred wise men of the Christian religion. He says, and so I shall be baptized, and when I shall be baptized, all my barren and great men will be baptized, and their subjects baptized, and so there will be more Christians here than there are in your parts. Kublai Khan was a conqueror of the Mongolian Empire in China. So Pope Gregory X Tenth upon hearing this request from Kublai Khan, that would have taken the gospel to China and Asia and would have completely, literally changed the course of history, when Kublai Khan requested 100 Christian wise men, Pope Gregory the X sent two Dominican friars. And those two Dominican friars got as far as Armenia, decided that they couldn't hack it, and they turned around and went back to Rome. They missed out on the single greatest missionary opportunity perhaps the church has ever known. They could have changed the course of history. It was an unexpected opportunity that wasn't taken advantage of. So my question for you today, my challenge for you today is to pay attention. Pay attention to the opportunities that God is putting in your path. What is God challenging you to do? What what opportunities has God given you? One of the opportunities you have is to be a missionary to your family. You have kids, you have grandkids, you have uncles and aunts and nephews and nieces, brothers and sisters, parents. There are people that you know who don't know Christ or don't have a relationship with Jesus. That is your first and primary mission field. Those are the people who need Jesus that you can have the most influence over, that you can have the most impact with. People that you work with. One of the the prayer requests I believe that God always answers is God, give me an opportunity to share my faith. If you don't want to share your faith, if you don't want to spread the gospel, if you want to disobey Jesus, that's up to you. But if you want to share your faith, then you've got to pray, God, give me a chance. Give me an opportunity this week to share my faith. And my challenge for you today is to do just that. To pray that prayer. And maybe if there's someone specific that you know. Someone specific that you know needs to hear the gospel. Pray for that person. God give me an opportunity to witness to John. Give me an opportunity to witness to Mary. Give me an opportunity to witness to my brother. Give me an opportunity to witness to my parents. Give me an opportunity to witness to my schoolmate. To my work. uh, To my. uh, What do you call a workmate? Co-worker, thank you. Come on now. Give me an uh, See, you're paying attention, which makes me happy. Doesn't fill me with joy, but it makes me happy. Give me an opportunity to witness to my co-worker. Give me an opportunity. Whether it be expected or unexpected, take advantage of that opportunity. Take advantage of the opportunity and don't miss your opportunity to spread the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the chances, the opportunities that you do give us to share the gospel, to tell people about Jesus. I pray that you would, in fact, put people in our path this week, that this very week we would have the opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus. That God, whether it be a co-worker or a family member, a neighbor, that somehow, Lord, you would you would raise up that chance to tell them about Christ. And God, I pray that you would help us seize that opportunity, that the Holy Spirit would come come and fill us with the words to say that we would be prepared to give them a reason answer for the reason that we have a hope the the hope that we have lord i pray that you would uh, just help us seize that opportunity so that people will hear about jesus and they will give their hearts to him and they will be baptized and they will live a life of faithfulness all the way to heaven's gates thank you for the story of paul and silas and for the fun that we've had this morning for the good time of worship we've had. And I pray now, if there's someone here that hasn't made the decision to follow Christ, that they would make that decision today. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.